Hello and welcome to episode 118. That was, that was a good start, wasn't it? You paused immediately. Uh, welcome to the show. And of course, just as I finally ditched the old lockdown theme tune, finally got it together, worked with my my brilliant music guy, Subdiffuse, aka Steve Shanyaski. By the way, if you want anything done, give us a shout. I'll put you in touch. But we got that sorted and then suddenly we got the Omicron, aren't you? The Omicron. And then, you know... Can we save Christmas? Is Christmas in jeopardy? I mean, seriously, man, could journalists in this country just get beyond the habit of thinking that good journalism is asking the most fucking depressing question? Do you know what I mean? Like, you've, you get the impression that with journalists, if someone said, uh, yeah, yeah, I found a, yeah, I found a lump on my tit, that they would go, are you going to die? Are you, are you going to die? Uh, could, could please answer the question. We don't know anything about this fucking variant, do we, really? It might be a bit trans- more transmissible. Some people in South Africa are saying that it's uh, less virulent, you know, or it's less, I don't know what the word, less bad. <laughs> uh, but here we are, here we are. Of course, we've, they've taken the step of uh, reintroducing face masks from Tuesday in England. And of course, uh, up in Scotland, we've always been wearing them. Good, yeah, good for Scotland, okay? We had a period whereby we didn't for a while and it was nice do you know what I mean I'm glad that we had it and I got into not a spat but an interesting thing I was drunk on Saturday night and of course I took Boris's speech when he said uh, you know he did, he did his uh, press conference on 5pm I immediately thought so what you're saying is Boris I should go out tonight and get right on it because things might go tits up that was that was just my interpretation and I was drunk on the way back and I saw that Andy Burnham who I am a fan of uh, I like him, you know, I think he's the kind of guy that probably Labour need to be looking towards. And, and he'd said that, this is why I said that masks should never have been uh, removed, you know, from, from uh, mandated use. And I just got the up and I said, Andy, mate, I like you, Andy, because I'd had a beer then, I thought we was mates. I said, but if you can't, if you can't like drop restrictions at a time when vaccine immunity is high, natural immunity is high, and we didn't have any new variants, then when can you, Right. Because, all right, there's a new variant. A lot of people will probably think we should bring back the mask. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, man. I'm not so sure myself. But what I will say is that I, I think if you're saying that we can't drop restrictions during the good bits, then I, that, I'm, I'm out. Do you know what I mean? Then I'm, then I'm fucking, then I'm going to, on a march with Piers Corbyn. I don't know if you saw the video this week. Uh, him and some of his mates did a thing on the tube. You, I mean, I literally, some things you can kind of uh, give a summary of. It's so fucking weird. I'll put it this way. Do you remember those EU hymns? Remember when they were going for their revoke marches a couple of years ago and there was people coming in on coaches from fucking St. Ives or something and uh, they were singing these weird hymns like, you know, the EU is a force for good so we should not leave it. I thought, I don't think that'll ever be topped for a wanky fucking song. I just that's a word. And I think these guys, if, if they haven't topped it, they've run it close. Basi- basically, the principle of their little song is you can't contain a fart with trousers. Um, actually, you've just got to watch it. It is really weird. Welcome to what, what most people think. The show that is willing to admit the restrictions are annoying. Okay? I, I do find it odd in comedy. Like the, Again, comedy, the comedy industry does seem to be just a tad out of step with... Oh, is it? I don't know. Maybe it's not. But you do feel like a lot of comics, you know, just like all the, you know, love the NHS. They sort of want to fall behind. Wear the fucking mask, guys. 
I'm like, eh, I'm not sure that's the way to win people over. But anyway, we've got we've got another comic who's perhaps coming at things from a different angle, is making his uh, debut this week. Is the brilliant Nick Dixon. A lot of you will be aware of him for his uh, stints on GB News. Uh, but what you know, what I, I speak to him about that. But what I principally wanted to talk to him about, which is a story that he's he's told before, but something happened earlier this year where he tweeted something and found himself very much on the hard shoulder of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a recovery vehicle and it was it was brutal man and I, I I should do what they do in media now just do a tease and Nick will pick up the story later but we also get to hear some of his views uh, on gender some of his more traditional views and indeed uh, Covid so this show as you, um, is uniquely funded you won't hear any adverts in this show you know not knocking people to have the adverts I just always like to do things slightly differently What's that? I know people think, what's that, Jeff? No one asking to advertise. Yeah, they are. They do. Spotify are in touch a couple of times recently. But I have Patreons who fund it, and it means that I don't have to suddenly recommend some fucking juicer that I've never used. You know? I just go, hey, ding, ding. Hi, I'm Jeff Norcott, and I hope you're enjoying what most people think. Well, what about what most people juice? I, I just don't want to be in a position of saying that. So uh, we do shout out to every new Patreon here and we've got a vip this week uh vips get shouted out at the top of the toe top of the toe uh that sounds like an arts thing top of the toe to the hockey is okay so maybe we'll give this guy a darts nickname so his name is dominic low dominic what would it be dominic the crossbow low it would be one of those really clunky as fuck ones that doesn't fully scan i love the darts i'm going back we're going back on 5th of january They've finally taken the BDO back to the uh, lakeside. So we're going to have the old chicken in a basket. It's great. It's the best form of darts. I know that everyone likes the Ali Pally one, which is a bit more rock and roll. But this one, you get to watch darts and you'll have a picture of like Freddie Starr, Nick, a signed photo of Freddie Starr next to where you're sitting. It's brilliant. Um, the cuss count for last week, so it was a solo episode. The episode with Rachel uh, Paris. Oh, by the way, Rachel Paris, uh, I'm still getting stick that I was cozying up to Rachel, and sometimes application, uh, intimations are far worse. Uh, I'm a married man, good friends uh, with Rachel and her husband. That is absolutely not the case. But, you know, I don't see... If someone says something that I politically agree disagree with, you know, one thing I think on the left that often happens is people just call you out and tell you off. I'm not... If I disagree, I go, okay, you know, she sees that differently to me. So um, it wasn't a case of that. But obviously, I've still been getting stick for, for putting on mies and graces for having a lady on the show. Well, we were back to full working order last week on the solo show, uh, which definitely everybody listened to. Um, 0.95 a minute. But I, I enjoyed that show because I, I think it's fair to say that I was getting a bit tame for a couple of episodes on the bounce. And there was just so much bollocks. So if you haven't listened to episode 117, do go back and listen to it. 0.95 swears a minute and we had one exotic swear which was motherfucker motherfucker it's hard to say that as an English person isn't it like when American people say it they go motherfucker uh, <laughs> um, so we do have a guest show this week but there's a bit of news that I wanted to just cover because I'd hate to let this go begging is Starmer Keir Starmer Keir Starmer he had a reshuffle the other day he pissed off Angelina Rayner um, yeah it's the second time that he's blindsided Angeline, Angelina Rayner Angelina, am I just giving away how attractive I find her? Because uh, she had this big speech on Tory sleeves, right? Uh, she was building up to it, big swing for the fence, and then Keir's only gone and done a reshuffle at that time. Now, you have to admit, even if you're a fan of Keir, um, he, look, people always say about Keir Starmer, he's a decent man. He wants power. How do we know that he wants power? Well, he's the leader of a political party and he's trying to be prime minister. So, 
he's just in one way he is just like the rest of them. Okay, I know that the stormtroopers or the stormerites or the stormer chameleons. You know, he is not some sort of saint. He wants to run things. Uh, is that cultural appropriation? Do I get to say that? Um, but he wants power, and and what he's done is that that's a piece of manoeuvring there. Maneuvering par excellence, maybe he's just finally learned how to play the game. And it does seem that Angelina, why do I keep saying Angelina Rayner? Let's just call her Angelina Rayner for every uh, from for now on. So he's brought back in uh, Yvette Cooper. Uh, people, well, I mean, one benefit of having Yvette Cooper back in is people know who the fuck she is. You know, that's uh, not been true of a lot of the Labour front bench. I still can't remember who the who's the last, the last shadow chancellor. Do you remember that that quiet Scottish lady that just came and went and made no impact? So Yvette Cooper, uh, people know who she is. I think she's shadow home secretary. And the move seems to have upset everybody at Navarra Media. So that probably means that it was a good move. Um, and the centrist dads are delighted, aren't they? There's a certain kind of middle-aged centre-left bloke. They just think if, it just, if Yvette Cooper comes back, Everything will be okay. That same Yvette Cooper that was actually around during the Miliband years and doesn't have a massive track record of success, but just get Yvette back. Uh, we've got David Lammy back. Uh, back, was he ever in the show? I think he was. Um, yeah, I mean, if he could just leave behind his clickbaity tweets, you know, he once said that the uh, the ERG, the European Research Group in the Tories, were worse than the Nazis. Um can we, can we just say, I mean, we mentioned anti-Semitism last week. Uh, you know you know that form of racism that is not considered fully racist uh, for reasons I'll never understand. But can we just stop equivocating things with the Holocaust or Nazis? Uh, all right? You know what was as bad as the Nazis and the Holocaust? Uh, the Nazis and the Holocaust. Nothing else. Nothing else has been as bad. It was... It, ju- it stops there. Stop trying to do analogies. You wouldn't do it about... Other, I mean, can you imagine these people like talking about aspects of slavery and drawing analogies about... So they just wouldn't do it. So don't do it with the Holocaust. But anyway, with Starmer, bit by bit, he's edging out the hard left, which is fine, which is fine. But people want their politics represented pol- uh, precisely. And there are a lot of activists, members, Corbynistas in the Labour Party that will feel bit by bit that they are not present, you know, within the, the upper echelons of the Labour Party. And uh, I think, you know... I still think that this massive Labour Party car park family fighting of fucking Weatherspoons has to happen. I just don't, I don't see how they could avoid this. They're just sidestepping it. They're a family just trying to grin and bear it, just staying together for the kids. And it doesn't get spoken about enough, I think, which is the existential threat of the Labour Party actually splitting. Because how the hell do you reconcile? The Tories, as we said, they'll get together for power. They love a bit of power. It's like Mama will come out and say, if you two, if you lots don't stop arguing, nobody will have any power. And they go, sorry, Mama, sorry, sorry. Whereas the Labour Party are just like, they're having, you know, they're sitting at a, they're sitting at a brewer's fair, just all eyeing each other on it, just staring. And just all it needs is for one of the more gobby women in the group to neck a white wine quicker than she should have and go, you fucking slag, you've always hated me. Wine glass gets lobbed, suddenly people are pulling each other's hair, mushing each other's faces down in the bread sauce. It's all kicking off. Okay, so before we start the chat with Nick, just a couple of quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, Thank you to the fireworks around my way. We have like a Christmas fair opening type turn on the lights thing. And I would say that they definitely had a rollover from the budget from when they didn't do it last year because that thing went on so long. I think some of the older people probably were getting out the the old blackout curtains. It just got to a point where it felt like it had finished and then people went to applaud. And then suddenly they took it up a notch and I thought, 
This is now like kind of winter wonderland in Hyde Park level fi- uh, fireworks. But uh, I enjoyed that. And um, just a fuck you to the people. So we've got masks coming back in, right? And, you know, we try and accommodate all points of view on this podcast. Well, mostly mine, let's be honest. But um, to the people who exclude economic harm as a form of harm, all right? So when they talk about masks, they just like, look, it's just a simple thing that you can do. When there are, There is uh, research that suggests that it does affect people's propensity and willingness to do things, to go to hospitality. Maybe that's the point. But you often get the same people that argued against leaving the EU purely on the basis of uh, the, the harm that it would do to GDP, well, you know, they don't seem to apply any of that. You know, so, well, you know, if, if GDP goes down, we have less money for doctors, nurses, you know, we have less money for our art centres. And, and they go, well, yeah, all of this is true of COVID. So it's, I just think that, all right, be one of, you know, be in support of masks, but do, just don't be flipping about it. Just just wear the fucking mask, Jeff. Okay, just wear the mask. It just I don't know. Maybe there's something about it. That every time there's one of these mandatory things, I feel like somehow in my adult age, I've got back to a point where I have to answer a prefix. Most so that's done with that. Let's get into a chat with the brilliant Nick Dixon. So making his first appearance on what most people think is Nick Dixon. Hey, am I meant to talk then? Yeah, well, yeah, I should have said hello, Nick, or, or some sort of <laughs> indicator. I thought, mate, I thought you'd be all au fait with this now, being the media whore that you are on GB News. <laughs> How dare you? What a word. What a word to use. Well, no, I mean, I see you're appearing on lots of shows, and then the other night you actually had to step in and deputise for, who is, who is it, Mark Dolan? or Mark Dolan, yeah. Somehow Mark got a super cold. Don't know how it happened. People are saying maybe maybe I gave him, gave him it. But anyway, yeah, I did the second yeah. half of the show uh, for Mark Dolan. I've done, yeah, I've done four appearances in the last week, so you're right, I am. I'm all over it. Yeah, no, Going it's hard good, on man. TV news. Some people won't do it. I'm just like, cool, I'll just do all the spots. It's, I mean, there's this new show with Simon Evans, Headliners. He's got some great people. I think fans of this show will enjoy it. It's got people like yourself, Dominic Frisbee, Leo Curse. I came up with a name as well as I like telling people all the time. And they get really annoyed. But I came up with a name, Headliners. Quite a good name, isn't it? It's a very good name for a topical news show which has some comics who would frequently headline clubs. Exactly. You've got it. You've got the concept. It's a new show. We're still working out some of the, some of the you know, kinks or whatever. But people like it. Yeah, it seems to be doing pretty well. Well, look, I mean, I, so what you do is you kind of get the headlines and you guys go with... So, well, I suppose it's kind of like topical comedy, but from a different political view than what you would get normally, you know, on television or radio or pretty much fucking anywhere. But l- let me put Don the hat now of the kind of lefty type person and, and throw some cliche questions about you, at you about GB News. So do you have to, like, say the word woke like a certain amount of times congrats, contractually? We actually do. It's fifteen per show, yeah. yeah. And we, we have a meeting after if we don't if we don't hit those numbers. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, it, we do say woke quite a lot. I try and sort of be a bit ironic about it. Someone said the other day on Mark Show actually, they said, "Oh, I'm sick of all this woke stuff," and I said, "You're on the right channel." And I thought, and, and then I had to say, "We're impartial," just to say we're not really just that because <laughs> it is an impartial channel. We are regulated by Opera. I say we as if I've sort of lived no, there mate, now. No, this is the they, thing. You're, com- you're a company man. It's great to see. <laughs> they are regulated by Ofcom. I had to yeah. do Ofcom training, which is a sort of emphasis on not swearing and not slandering, was two of the main ones. I'm, I'm the only, like, Jeff, this is amazing. You'll appreciate this. I'm the only comedian 
that's managed to not swear or slander or say that Santa doesn't exist or one of these things that you're not allowed to say. And for some reason, every show yeah. I do, the other comedian, within minutes, will swear. And I'll be like, why is it so hard to just not swear, guys? And I'm like, no. and then I suddenly realize I'm ultra professional. I'm like, right, in a business where I'm the most professional, we're in a lot of trouble. That, I, I would agree. I would absolutely concur with that. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you used to do teaching or anything? Sometimes that can help you develop no, a I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just like, okay, I won't swear. I'm just like, why is that so hard? And I realize comedians are just... They're just sort of renegade people, aren't they? They're completely crazy. And I'm amongst comedians relatively normal is what I'm starting to realise. You do seem like the kind of comic that you suddenly find out has gone to church every Sunday for the last six years. Yeah, I don't really go to church as much as I should because of the, the whole masks thing, but I do, I, I do believe in God and, and Jesus. So you, you're, pretty much, you're pretty much right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I go to church sometimes. I, I do wonder when I go whether I'm just doing it as another thing to annoy most comedians. I, I, I don't know if you were, <laughs> if you were gigging. I'm, I'm sure you certainly were. Do you remember? You're just towards... the church. They'll hate this. Yeah, basically, just singing yeah. the hymns, going. If they could see me now, <laughs> they, that's um... the most ridiculous reason. Yeah, no, that would be like, in, in terms of how God would view me, I think that that would be the worst thing to do, would just to, to cause conflict. But no, I mean, I certainly have like a, a, a boring sort of agnostic type faith and I sort of think, well, I live in Britain, it's the easiest thing to do is to be an Anglican, you know, and I'm, I'm absolutely certain that if I lived in Tehran, I'd be a Muslim. You know, it's just like, I have a faith, I'll attach it to the, the most kind of like socially uh, sort of convenient way. But, um, you know, I don't know if you remember during the late noughties and stuff, because Labour were in power, stand-ups wanted to punch up. They always want to punch up, right? But it wasn't as obvious what to do it with, you know, because Labour in power, so they didn't really want to criticise them. So there was a lot of anti-Christian humour around. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. I mean, I even remember Jim Jeffries doing a whole show where he's, like, doing all this edgy stuff, which was sort of mainly like anti-women and stuff. But then he did a, a bit that was like anti-Christian. Everyone's like, woo. And you're just thinking, I felt at the time, this is insane punching down, but he thinks it's punching up. And they're all like whooping themselves up, like, aren't we edgy? And I'm thinking, not really. That's incredibly easy to do. Well, I think that what they did, comics at that time, they would often, because there was the Westboro Baptist Church in the States. And, you know, these and, and Christianity in the States and here is completely different things. But for the sake of feeling edgy, a lot of people equivocated them. So they tried to make out like there was a, an extreme Christian right in this country. And I was at, the, at that time, I was going to church more regularly. And it was quite funny to hear comedians talking about the firebrand Christian right, and there'd be me on a Sunday morning with a lot of people that just wanted to have a biscuit. Exactly. I, funny, I was going to say, what are they rebelling against? The biscuits. I was actually going to go with biscuits, and you, you got there first. I was like, we both have the same idea of the Church of England. Once a year at Christmas, you get the little orange with um like sultanas stuck in the side with toothpicks at my church i'm like yeah right, yeah cool. no we get that as too yeah i'm always like you know who am i to question the ways of the lord but like yeah exactly it's not exactly edgy is it and now of course the church of england is very woke just to get in my woke quota already yeah. it's gone woke hasn't it but yeah do, do you I get you. are you on a commission like do you like every time you say trans activist do you get a, a sort of commission <laughs> i tend to say turf a lot I just throw that around on Andrew's show, Andrew Dawes' show. Yes. I know. I see what you're doing, Jeff. You're painting GB News into a corner. I know it's your No, no, I'm it. promoting it. I'm absolutely... No, I'm taking the piss about the, the cliched views that people have. Because I think that that's something that people often forget is that it is regulated by Ofcom. You literally... There are certain things you literally can't say. And then, and then they'll take as gospel certain media outlets that are very successful on Twitter that have no fucking regulation whatsoever. Right, and, and, and we are, we, I've done it again, they are trying to be very impartial and 
sometimes if, if I, on headliners, if I feel the other view isn't being represented, I'll just deliberately represent it. And mm. they're always trying to get people on. And Andrew Doyle recently was getting attacked very unfairly on Twitter about a debate he had where he didn't have a woman on it. And he's like, yeah. you know how hard it is to get women? I've, I've had this many women already. I've tried to get them. No mm. one was available. And he's having these like booking nightmares. And people are just sat at home going, oh, no women. And he's just like racking his brains trying to get people on. Because a lot of people that won't do it, who knows why. Uh, and, you know, and then they've got to be available. They've got to be the right type of... They've got to be, know the issues. There's a whole end mm. diagram of GB News. And it's quite small sometimes to actually get people on it. So they, No, no, there's know. definitely... I mean, I speak to Andrew a lot and there's definitely an appetite to get balanced. When you said Andrew Doyle being unfairly attacked on Twitter, I think that's sort of like... That's his every, thing. <laughs> that's every, that is uh, every day. I mean, like his programme, like Free Speech Nation, it just these monologues that he's doing are so great. And I think that... You, you know, like absolutely nailing the subject. And it's so funny because like he's been doing it long enough now that he makes his argument so reasonably, like he covers all the angles. And then it, people just sort of like, they need a bogeyman, the left, don't they? More than any other, more than the right. They sort of need someone like, right, who's the baddie this week? I always think it's hilarious that? They've, they've picked Andrew, like the nicest guy. You know what I mean? Just this nice guy. It reads a lot complicated books, you know, just as just a, just a super nice guy, left liberal gay person you know and he's mm. the enemy i always find that hilarious no he's not left liberal gay he's right wing and pretending to be gay let me just correct you then nick oh sorry uh, to, yeah i know that's to the represent one. the twitter view he gets called a yes or a typical straight white public school right wing male i'm thinking yeah he's literally none of those yeah but he's pretending that's the if, if they if they run to the end of that train line they'll go oh he's they, they're pretending well, I, yeah you know, to be fair i did call him homophobic on his show yesterday so i did go yeah. there well, I mean, it's, I mean, the truth is, actually, I've known quite a few gay people that kind of don't like gay people. I think that that is possible, right? It's the last person you'd expect, isn't it? A, a gay person to be homophobic. It's a great trick. Well, yeah, I suppose, you know, what you get is, I've known a few blokes that just have said to me, Jeff, I'm a homosexual, I'm not gay. And I don't, I don't think that that gets discussed <laughs> a lot. They, they sort of, they're so manly, right? Right. That they, they don't I'm even not gay look- or anything. Yeah, no, no, they're they, technically they, homosexual. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there were. I don't, I don't hear it so much now. But I remember there was a few of my pals that that sort of made that distinction with me because they were so fucking like macho that even even being associated with that word. So I don't know where they fit into the acronym. I don't know if there's a specific word. Yeah, well, Maybe I mean, be... the new thing, the, the new thing might be to say I'm gay, but I, I don't really go for the LGBTQ plus stuff. That's the sort of new way of saying that, maybe. Yeah, or maybe like the B in LGBT is for bear. Yeah, no, people always think that it's bisexual. Maybe it's for the bear community. Uh, and if you don't know, I'm very, I'm very gay savvy. I've been on the scene many years. <laughs> it's it's kind of like big set guys with beards and stuff like that. And they're the kind of guys that I always think that if I was going to give it a go, I'd want to I'd want to just know what it was like to feel safe in a man's arms. But anyway, look. <laughs> okay, so a lot of people will know you, Nick. Um, but. And I, I'm sorry for making you tell a story that you've had to tell many times, but well, I do think it's important that we recount the... So when was it you sent this tweet? So you sent a tweet that essentially where a lot of the comedy industry rounded on you. W- when was that? Was that still this year? Yeah, I think it was back in May. I mean, yeah, it was a while ago now. I mean, you could have got the exclusive, Jeff, if you wanted, but I ended up... I did go on a trigonometry and talk about it. But yeah, it was, I think it was a while ago now. So I am sorry, over did, it. did I just get a little bitch slap there for not, not coming in earlier? <laughs> I look. I talk to you about your current GB. This is just the casual little bit of the show, you know. And then you go hyping the excellent trigonometry. Um, who they actually discuss? I'm basically discussing topical issues, trying to get to a knob gag. But right, 
Well, I did, I did talk about on on there, and I talked about it on talk radio at the time, but, but mm. actually... You defended me on TV, though, which I do want to thank you for. That was very cool. My mum said, Jeff Norcott's defending you on TV. I was like, oh, that's very nice. I'm not going to watch because I'll go insane if I watch all this stuff about myself. Yeah, but it was, it's it was nice on that the you did that. Jeremy Vine show. But just in case people don't know, if you could just quickly tell yes. us the story of what you said in the tweet and the reaction to it. Okay, I'll try and, I'll try and recount. So basically, okay, so uh, someone who liked my comedy tried to get me a gig without my input, just a nice act. Um, yeah. I didn't particularly have any interest in doing the gig because I tried to not leave London these days. But he sent me this message. Hey, I tried to get you this gig. This is what the guy said. And I thought the message was so bizarre that I just thought, well, oh, this will be funny to share. So he basically said, I'm aware of Nick. Didn't necessarily say he likes me, but I'm aware of him. But what I'm trying to do is get less straight white men. He said, I'm trying to get the opposite. When I say opposite, I don't mean a gay disabled woman in a wheelchair, something like that, black gay disabled woman. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but he goes, you know, but you know the kind of thing I mean. I'm trying to get blah, blah, diversity. So those were the promoter's words, not mine. So mm. I thought, that's a funny message. So what I did, I decided for some reason to tweet it. But I took out all the sensitive information, even anything that could even trace it back to the club. Even the club that he said, oh, I've seen, the, I know he plays. Even the club he said I play, I'll even take that out. So they're not involved. So I took out all reference to the club, all reference to the guy, blacked all that out, and just t- posted the tweet. I just said something funny. I just said... Mildly amusing, I said, um, I look forward to a day when I can be judged on the content of my character or at least the content of my content. It was like a stupid reference to Martin Luther King saying, me not getting a comedy gig is much like mm. the civil rights struggle, was the obvious, impli- which is obviously yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's an obvious piece of hyperbole. Yes, right? exactly, Jeff. So um, it, it, it's not a laugh out loud, but it's like a ride to it. It's like, oh, this is, this is mildly amusing. thought it would get like 38 likes, which it did. But the problem was then the Daily Express picked it up. They're like, can we cover this tweet? It's like, a, I'm like, all right, I mean, yeah. I mean, and normally, nine times out of ten, I just say, they say, do you want to talk about this? And normally I'd say no. Every other time I'd say no. For some reason, I was like, yeah, all right, I'll say something. Let's see what happens. <laughs> mm. Which is, uh, I got the answer to that anyway. So I just said, yeah, I'll say a couple of things. Then, of course, it comes out all tabloidy. And you're like, well, it's, I mean, that's lucky. Well, what some kind of things did you say and how did they represent it? Well, I don't know. I just said... I just sort of made my arguments. But the thing is, when you, when you see them in print, just mm. sort of no nuance, you know, it didn't have the requisite levels of self-awareness and irony that I try and build in. So I would always say yeah. things like, look, I know no one really cares about the plight of the straight white male comic. You know, it's not the genocide. Yeah, of Rwanda. Yeah, yeah. I would look, put little things in like, so you can see that I don't think this is so important. But the way mm. they framed it, and then with the headline, a straight white man complains about straight white gig, the, you know, all this kind of just, just, the way they frame it is so, mm. it always makes you look a bit ridiculous. So not necessarily their fault, probably my fault. But that was actually fine. Everyone ignored that piece. No one cared. But then it was shared by Chortle, who, <laughs> who sort of took it and gave it a sort of red meat for the comedy world. You know what I mean? Like, look at this mm. idiot saying a thing. We can attack him now. You know, a cynic would say that's why that's what Chortle were doing. A, a less cynical person would say, oh, they're just merely covering the story, doing their job. So whichever you want. So Chortle, I'm sure your listeners know, is a comedy website. So they covered it, and that's when all the comedy world... And also, it should be said that, you know, and I think Steve would say this himself, Steve Bennett, who runs the site, you would certainly... It's clear in his reviews that he he's leans leftward, right? Yes. He, he He's explicit uh, about... That himself, it doesn't, you know. I mean, he gives coverage to people like myself and stuff like that. But certainly, people would know that his politics would be towards the sort of left, culturally left end of the spectrum. Yeah, and I wouldn't say they're above 
having a little dig. I mean, they did. I saw them review a show once, and it's and and, and this is a little comedy insider thing. Shows at Edinburgh Festival had to be fifty minutes or more t- to qualify for the award. Did you know mm. that? I think that was the rule. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know that obviously, but but in this review it said, yeah, and there aren't quite enough. There's not quite enough structure or something like that. Blah blah. In this forty-five minute show, like he mentioned the minute length of the show <laughs> to disqualify the person from the awards. So this is this is the kind of thing we're talking about. So that does go on. So it's not. Impossible. Well, I had um, a review in 2018 where the reviewer mentioned something that one of my punters said in the queue, um, wow. going in that one of the punters had used the word "coloured," um, not like in an act- actively racist way, but they just described described a black person as, as we know that's not a good word to use. Uh, in 2021 but the, here's the point I didn't fucking use it right exactly. you know so the idea and I just thought I have never ever read a review where someone has mentioned what the punters were discussing you know so so I guess what we're getting at here is that sometimes we do feel like they, you know not saying that they are un, un sort of objective in their view of us but like if we step slightly out of line the, the the fucking heavens might open. Yeah, and you could argue actually all he did was cover the story. I don't know because I didn't read the piece. I, I don't think I've ever read it. But I mm. think I think people might have been saying it, he just pretty much covered it. But I suppose maybe I'm maybe I'm at fault because if in if in just covering the story I look stupid, maybe it's actually me that's at fault. But what I'm mm. what I'm saying anyway is that when it was in the Express, no one cared. But when it's in Chortle, obviously it opens it to the comedy world. So I guess I'm just saying pity they covered it. I mean, people were messaging me saying, are you okay? And one of them said, oh, it's just because I've seen the chortle piece. I was like, the what? Sorry? So I hadn't seen it. I don't oh, read that it. horrible feeling. Yeah, that horrible feeling. I've just seen the chortle. So then it got out of control, and then the Telegraph picked it up, and I'm going, oh, God. <laughs> because now it's just escalating. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been in one of these. Oh, you, you've been in them, but it's, they just escalate, and they, you're like, what's happening now? And people are just messaging. You feel physically feeling, sick. You're like, yeah. yeah, it's in the Telegraph. Then someone messaged me, you're on the Jeremy Vide show. And I'm like, oh, my God. And like, people wow. might think, oh, comedians love attention. Hard to believe. I actually don't like attention. I don't particularly want people talking about me or even looking at me. Like when I'm on stage sometimes, I think, why are they all looking at me? I don't actually yeah. want... I just happen to be okay at talking and telling jokes and stuff. That's my sort of skill set. And also, it should be said, but, you're an excellent comic, right? Um, but at this point, you know, you've done the bits at telly. I think you did like Paramount at the um, Comedy Central at the Comedy Store and stuff like that. But you're not someone that is, is versed and ready for how to deal with this shitstorm. Like it is... It's come in out of pretty much nowhere, and then it becomes like a national leading story, right? So that must have been massively unsettling. Yeah, well, I would argue no one is equipped to deal with it. I mean, it just escalates. It gets more and more out of control. People are messing you. Are you okay? And you suddenly realise it's in the Express, it's in the Telegraph, it's on the Jeremy Vine show. Mm. It's just this little tweet I, I put. You know, I had no idea it was going to get out of hand. And... Um, there's no way to cope with that, really. I don't think there's any way a human can cope with it because what, you're having, what you have there is the, the mob, so-called, piling on you. I mean, what would be the precedent for that? Like, the entire tribe, like, running after you down a hill. Do you know what I mean? We're not built mm. to be rejected by the no, tribe. No. And we're not built as an individual to have thousands of people attacking us. So there is no way for a human to cope with that that I've heard of. And anyone I've spoken to who's been through much worse ones than me has just says it's absolutely horrific and they've had to have therapy and... So we should clarify, when you say the tribe, so this is quite a lot of people in comedy now that picked up on the story and we're using it to sort of demonstrate a point of view, like, huh, you know, look at this white guy moaning, oh, you know, 
And then there was a variety of views, wasn't there? You know, or maybe maybe you're not just fu- you're you're not funny enough, mate. Or maybe you're not. And in fairness, a lot of people were quick to acknowledge that you're a very good comic. Like I think that is beyond doubt. But then you get this kind of second wave of arseholes who are reading those accounts that know nothing about your comedy, and it's just a kind of a jumping off point for them to say that that, that thing that they pretty much always say, right? Like white guys moan, etc. You know. Yeah. So a, few, a couple of things there is like. When I say tribe, that was really just a metaphor. I don't necessarily think of comedy as my tribe. It maybe is, is even worse, though, because it's comedians who are meant to be your colleagues. So that is, yeah, probably is a touch worse. And, then, and the other thing is, yeah, people just come in, oh, he's just shit, or he just can't get gigs. That one was hilarious because I, I left the best, one of the best live agents in comedy deliberately to do less gigs <laughs> because I, mm. I, I was so burnt out traveling around the circuit and doing gigs in Leeds and getting a five-hour night coach getting in at 5 a.m., I just couldn't do that stuff anymore. I, so I, I, don't, I travel a lot less now because it just didn't temperamentally suit me. But, so it's just quite funny to me that I was always trying to, I've tried to get out of gigs. You, know, you just can't yeah. get gigs. Like, no, I can get gigs, thanks. But, you know, he's just shit. But I always thought that was irrelevant. I was like, it's really, if, even if you hate my comedy, that's irrelevant. Like, I'm indifferent to it a lot of the time. But, it, it, you know, I always thought that was not a strong argument to attack me. It's like, is, is what I'm saying true or not? That's the point. And you're just attacking me is an obvious ad hominem, isn't it? So, yeah. A lot of people just came in, and like you said, but other people defended me, and that was a great thing. Loads of people defended me. Big comics attacked me. I probably haven't told the story properly in sequence, but some big comics attacked me, threw me under the bus. People I've been nice to my whole life, uh, been people I thought I'd gone on with, and that was quite upsetting. And then, but since then, loads of people have defended me, and actually, even bigger comics, more famous than the ones that attacked me, have actually messaged me to defend me and say you're a great comic and keep going, which is really nice. Because I think some of these big comics and other people thought, oh, we'll just attack Nick. And, and actually quite a lot of people seem like me in comedy. So that's what they didn't bank on because I'm actually not this horrible person. Again, you do sort of think with the, these big name comics that we're talking about here, great that they DM you. You think it'd be nice if you said it in public as well. I've had moments like that myself where you think, well, what's the problem with saying this in the public um, domain? You know, I mean, the, the only experience I've had... That was it. I mean, I've had a few comics come at me uh, online, you know, colleagues on Facebook as well, which weirdly is, is more personal because of your family and friends generally all, all see. I'm not saying in any way that what you experienced was definitely more of a violent thing, but I found that very difficult. It used to make me feel sick for days on end. And then when I was on the BBC uh, Diversity and Inclusion panel, so which I completely misread and honestly just thought it was a one-day thing, I'd go along, say, a 10-minute bit, and then I had no idea. So the, the BBC did a press release the previous night before the, before the first day that we met. And by 6am the following morning, I was out walking the dog. And, then, you know, you just pull out Twitter, have a look, what people talk about today. And my, my name was trending already. And I had fucking no idea why that would be. And then The Guardian and a couple of left-wing publications have basically said uh, BBC employ Tory comic on diversity panel, which is absolutely not why I was there. It was to do with class, right? It was to represent working class stuff. Even even though the BBC had said that in the press release, right? They fucking said it. The Guardian decided to pretend that that wasn't the case. And then, but it wasn't just the fact the Guardian, all these papers covered it. You know, the Telegraph kind of looked at it their way. The Mail hilariously clearly went through my Instagram and tried to find what was the most white bloke photo they could find of me they, do, they didn't want a professional one and honestly they picked one where I look like a fucking ticket tout I'm, I'm standing on a train station thing with this this kind of wanky like this sort of fighty look on my face and wearing like a, this, this duffel coat thing and yeah, just screwing out of the camera 
Yeah, yeah, it's double England polo face shirt. Paint. <laughs> England face paint, jumping over a ticket barrier at the same time. And, um, and yeah, the Daily I, Mail. I, and Daily Mail. And then um, there was a, a one newspaper that found my address within six hours and my wife had a knock oh at the door. God. Yeah, and that really freaked her out. And um, I had to ring this guy and it was so hard not to threaten him, right. you know, because I, I had to speak in this coded way. I was yeah, trying yeah, to put yeah. the shitters up him a little bit, but but sort of right because you yeah because the thing with the pressure have you met my friends have... yeah because I know people <laughs> yeah 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 you know, I, well I mean, I'm not we can meet somewhere if you want you know <laughs> a car park like yeah how did you how yeah. did you put it I know I just said I just said you know you, I said you know it is mate I guess if there's one thing in life that you don't want is your wife to feel threatened and when that happens yeah you'll uh, do anything that that well yeah yeah it was basically <laughs> that I said that that would produce a specific reaction in you as a man do you know what I mean mate and I was just kept having this discussion right with him. right um but yeah I, I so I mean and accidents I just happen think, all the time <laughs> yeah hey what can I say the guy he, 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 he walked off the end of a cliff last we saw of him yeah, it's be a shame if something happened good journalist good journalist had a couple of nice stories there I don't know why I'm speaking like Bill Burb so when you say that I defended you, I was on Jeremy Vine and, you know, I think as usual, if I was on, that means that the other person was quite left wing and they were sort of, again, I think using it as a stepping stone to make arguments about white entitlement that they wanted to make. And I just said, look, Nick is a very good comic. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy for, you know, I did say that I, I wouldn't, knowing how Twitter is, I probably wouldn't have tweeted it in the first place. But the reaction from the comedy industry, from certain people that would probably say that they were advocates of mental health that were just for the sake of likes and approval engaged in this this fucking pylon, mate. It, I, I thought it was really bad, I have to say. Especially one person who, yeah, talks about mental health awareness, himself admitted being suicidal when he got cancelled from a big job and, and he admitted that on a live podcast where I was there and chatted to him afterwards. It's like, right, so you've been suicidal, you've had mental health problems, you've been cancelled... You've been piled on, so and now you're doing it to me. So, I mean, how can someone do that? I mean, it really goes against the golden rule, doesn't it? As laid out by Jesus. I mean, it's do unto others. I, I just find that so shocking. I mean, you expect lots of idiots to troll you, but when it comes from people like that, I'm just like, mate, you just throw me under the bus to hundreds of thousands of people. How do you think that's going to affect my mental health? Thousands of people liking your tweet and then they're all piling on me. What do you think that's going to do to me? And it does. You don't want to sound you don't want to hate, don't want to sound too woke here, Jeff, but it does really affect your mental health. You, there's no real way of coping with it. I mean, I couldn't sleep for three days. I couldn't eat, and I wasn't even looking at. I, by the way, I, I don't think mental health is a woke thing. I think we're allowed to. We all <laughs> can re, we can reclaim. Right, mental. Tyson Fury talks about it, so we can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's the thing. It's, it's almost a very manly mindset. Is like mental health is woke. You know, well, I know I'm, I'm um, on a podcast where you just said your, your gay mates can't even admit they're gay. So I'm like, I'm like, what is the manliness? Yeah, yeah level no, here? no, yeah, yeah. If this guy's gay mates are, are are sort of anti-gay, what is the no, no? I, I think you're right. I think that there's two ways of talking about mental health. Right, one is a, a constructive, real way of talking about it, and one is just literally saying hashtag mental health because you know it's a, it seems like a nice thing to have said. I, I've had this, this thought for a while. I, I think that pe the people that claim to be mental health advocates never actually talk about mental health specifically. They talk about talking about it, and that's not the same, is it? Right, that's interesting. Yeah, they, they seem well, do you know what I mean? They say, well, it's very taboo, and you go, is it? I, I don't see any pushback on talking about it. 
just go ahead, fucking talk about it. But they never do. Right, that's interesting. The one I've noticed is they attack men all year round and there's one day a year where they say, we need to think about mental health awareness, suicide awareness. It's like, you've just been attacking men the rest of the time. That's like, oh, male suicide. It's like, you didn't care about it 364 days of the year. You know what I mean? Those kind of people. So there's a lot of hypocrisy around it. Yeah. It's well, did I'm... you see the, the Tory MPs? I was just trying to sort of make this vaguely topical, but there's a Tory MP that said, made a weird connection between Doctor Who being female and uh, sort of male uh, crime and violent crime going up. You see this guy? I, <laughs> I mean, missed that. Got... I missed that. Oh, no. He, I mean, it was pretty stupid what he said. Like, he didn't... Either he is a bit daft, but or he just didn't make his point very clearly. But again, people dunked on him. And this was during the talk that he had on International Men's Day. And I thought, fair enough. He said something stupid. That's the gig, right, in politics, is that, you know, that is what happens. But... I thought it's a real fucking shame that the only thing I heard about International Men's Day was that a Tory MP said something stupid. It got fucking no coverage other than that. Right, right. And there's, there's lots of people using it to attack men and say why, what's wrong with men and, and what we can do on International Men's Day. It's like, can we have one day where we're not attacked? How about that? International Men's Day, the one day we're not attacked. So I was hitting back against all that. I did a bit on Headliners the other day attacking Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah, I feel bad having to go at anyone. But he just said this thing about, yeah, men need to shut up and listen and we need to fix men. I'm like, can we stop with all the shut up and listen and fix men? Men are all right. Men should embrace masculinity. Masculinity is not bad. What's bad is thwarted masculinity, which can't find an outlet. Therefore, you end up with incels shooting people or you end up with some of these people that go into terrorism, whatever it is. But that's the problem is when you can't be men, when there's no outlet for men, there's no respect for what men's role is. The problem is not... So I completely disagree that the problem is masculinity. The problem is thwarted masculinity that, you know, that, that's... But you see how... So if, you know, if we were on Jeremy Vine and I was the lefty, they the way they would spin this is they would say, so thwarted, you're saying, you're, you're blaming. That's what they would say. You're saying other people are doing stuff. We, this, is, this is how the tabloids would run it. Mm-hmm. Other people are doing stuff, which means that it's fine for incels to just shoot people. Is that what you're saying, Nick? No, that's yeah, of course it's, it's, they would say that. And I would say, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying young men need support and guidance. And the yeah. way to do it is not demonize men across the whole media. Look at the massive rise of Jordan Peterson. What was this guy doing? Some people say, well, he's just uttering trite homilies. It's like, yeah, and he's absolutely massive because of it. So he's obviously tapped yeah, yeah. into something. So he's tapped into the fact that men completely lack guidance and have, you know, don't know what to do. They like father figures. The world hates them. The media hates them. But they're told masculinity is evil. So one guy comes along and says, hey, maybe it's okay to be a young man. Maybe it's tough. Here's some things you could do. Sit up straight. And they go, thank you. You know what I mean? How yeah, make your own they? bed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's quite feminist, isn't it? Make your own bed. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Put the toilet seat down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, he's fucking woke. He's Jordan Peterson. Yeah, it's not really going to work Is it attacking half the planet. We've got to work together. And the, I mean, yeah, when there was that horrible Sarah Everard thing, there was a suggestion that there should be a curfew on men that, remember that woman in the House of Lords said maybe there should be a curfew on men. They should go home before yeah. 6 p.m. And this actually made it to the House of Lords. So the insanity of that. I, just a slight correction, 10 p.m. Come on, mate. She's not a fucking... She's not an idiot. I mean, it's quite yeah. reasonable, Nick. <laughs> 10 p.m. Oh, 10. I mean, well, that's she, fine then, yeah. Yeah, we should I mean, do that. she mean, that's, that's late enough for the football to finish. I mean, she's, she's actually being quite considerate. Okay, just a quick hype this week, but not before we've welcomed the remaining new Patreons. We've got Simon Edgington. Simon Edgington. No offence, Simon Edgington, but you do sound like a Lib Dem spokesman. We now speak to the Lib Dem spokesman, Simon Edgington, for business and affairs. And just when the Lib Dem goes, sorry, Simon, somebody important has come in the room. We've got James Keane. Keno! Keno! Is James coming? Oh my God. Do you remember Keno on that last stag do? Oh my God, mate. 
I thought he's going to get arrested. And we got James Claro. James Claro? Isn't Claro like a Spanish word for something? I'm just Googling here. What does Claro mean in Spanish? Claro. Uh, it means sure. <laughs> James Sure. Hey. No, no, I don't know what accent I was about to do. An Italian accent there. There you go. I'm, I'm satisfying these stereotypes of the Brexiteer here. Graham Wilkes. Graham Wilkes. You just sound like, I don't know, were you one of the Goonies? That's one bit of comedy from that era that I've never... Like, your old man used to swear by the Goonies. Did, oh, God, the Goonies. Oh, my God. They would crack me up, the Goonies. Um, yeah, Graham Wilkes was like the, the fourth member. Do you know what I mean? The one that always had to play the part of the woman. Uh, and then we've got King Jason, who I'd imagine is Jason King, or he's just very confident, very confident. Maybe he dominates in the showers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but welcome to all those people, and ha- thank you for helping to fund the podcast. Obviously, I'm going to keep plugging the tour, back on tour February 2022. Look, one way or another, everything's going to be all right, isn't it? Then we'd have, we'd have, they'll have bought out the version 2.0 of all the vaccines, or everyone would have got fucking fed up with it. So book those tickets, particularly if you're going to uh, Margate, Aylesbury, Norwich. They're all booking very quickly. A little heads up. I might not be able to announce this yet, but I'm hoping they're going to have new dates in Glasgow and Oxford and a couple of others for May. And just a reminder, if you have read the book, uh, anywhere that you can leave reviews, whether that be Amazon, uh, Goodreads, it does help. It really does help. And same for the podcast. And I've also got a YouTube channel. And if you really, if you if you just think, what... If you, if you want to think, what does Jeff's dog look like? Well, get yourself over to Instagram because that is the only thing that I've thought is worth putting there. Anyway, let's get back to the chat with Nick Dixon. I think we're picking it up from the point of talking about an interesting complaint that the excellent Leo Curse, a uh, friend to this parish, recently of this parish. Anyway, we're talking about uh, a complaint that Leo had about his comedy. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Leo Curse's tweet. So Leo oh, yeah. Curse, friend, friend of the show, who has uh, gone, he's, he's put this thread into the public domain, which is that he um, that he did a set uh, at a club and someone who was there tried to get him cancelled from that club. So I'm just going to read the transcript, and it might take a little while, but just to get people on side with the story. So this was a complaint that was made to a club, which Leo's redacted, so I won't mention the club. But I'll read it. Should I read it in a really patronising, sort of whiny fucking voice? <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, podcast, we, were, we were at the 6pm show seeing the Leo show. This is the second time I've seen Leo live, and we found him absolutely horrific. He kept making jokes that were transphobic, homophobic, and incredibly misogynistic and other phobic words. I've, I've thrown that bit in. Uh, he was making jokes about the Me Too movement, essentially saying that women deserve to be raped. I will bet you any money before we even go on. I will, as a hunch, I am going to guess that he wasn't fucking saying that. But let, let's let's keep an open mind. I am a lover of something that's been redacted and have been many times. However, I found Leo's content incredibly appropriate and, in short, not funny. I'm a lover of comedy, also comedy that's on the edge. Now, first we've got to break out here. I've noticed a trope in in kind of snowflake type people that when they complain about comedy, they now do this thing where they actually have to claim that they're I, I actually love edgy comedy. It's just this wasn't, okay? Right. I've had I've had this in reviews and stuff with me. Like, hey, look, I love radical out there comedy. And it reminds me of in the 90s, you used to get these old type conservatives going, um, look, I like a good laugh as much as the next man. And then they would go on to demonstrate that that wasn't fucking true at all. Um, So this goes on 
It's saying his first set in July made me incredibly uncomfortable. So she's gone back to see him again, <laughs> which is hilarious. But this one was entirely unacceptable. Okay, she's the arbiter of what is acceptable, evidently. At this point, the group of us are debating about whether or not we come back to this comedy club, which is the implication of group action, right? You're going to lose money. This is how these people operate. Uh, but because of this man's horrific, inverted commas, comedy because, of course, you've got to put the inverted comments there. Uh, I would be very disappointed if I see him play again. Uh, anyway, I'll cut that short. I think you get the general gist of it. So, uh, luckily, this club uh, video every set, and it was proved that he didn't say those things. Like he, I think several of the subjects he didn't even cover, and surprise, surprise, he didn't advocate women being raped. Now... We talk a lot, Nick, about cancel culture, and one of the reasons people claim that it doesn't exist is because people like uh, Louis C.K. can come back, Dave Chappelle can say what he wants, and basically they quote men with global fan bases and 40 million quid in the bank. But this is an example of how it works at ground level, right? Are you seeing more of this sort of thing? Yeah, well, there's so much to go into that. I mean, you mentioned Louis C.K. I just saw some tweets about Dave Chappelle was nominated for a Grammy. So like, see, he's not cancelled. And they said, Louis C.K. is nominated for a Grammy. See, he's not cancelled. I'm thinking he did lose millions of dollars and get publicly shamed in front of the entire mm. world. But he was kind of cancelled. But fair enough, he got the Grammy nomination. And I mean, we're talking about like the absolute apex comics in the world here. So I'm not sure they're the litmus test by which we can judge right, comedy. Right. I know this is weird claim council culture doesn't exist. Obviously does. Um, yeah, I thought that Leo thing was so funny. The unacceptable was the fav- my favourite part. I just wrote to him, unacceptable, mate. I just think the idea that, unaccept- sorry, this comedy is unacceptable. I like, that's the, yeah. Yeah, the most arrogant, ridiculously unacceptable. Who decides that? You, some idiot. But the great thing is I know that club well and, and the owner would have just said, yeah, you, you're wrong. But yeah, then check the video. But, but, is, but isn't, he, isn't this the worrying thing, though, that that owner is the exception that proves the rule? A lot of comedy clubs and like a lot of corporations, anything even starts to look mildly threatening on Twitter, they just, they cut off the limb, right? Whether yeah. or not it hurts the body. Well, this is it. I mean, they did that to Andrew Lawrence, didn't they? they, they his agent dropped him. All live venues dropped him. It, yeah, I, yeah, I only played the, this is why I do Comedy Unleashed and, and a few other good clubs. I just do the clubs that are cool. Don't, if, if clubs are not going to support comedians, don't bother with them. But yeah, and also that thing you said about, I am pro edgy comedy. The other one is, I'm pro free speech, but that's the other big one. You yeah. Get. The, the, the trans person that cancelled, wanted to cancel Dave Chappelle at, at Netflix, they were like, no, I'm totally pro free speech. Just think maybe there should be like a panel that gets to look at Dave Chappelle's thing and decide whether it should yeah, go yeah. out. And maybe some bits of it should be changed or not put out. Maybe it shouldn't come out. I'm like, that's not pro free speech. That's a censorship panel that you run. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. It's, the, it's worse than just saying, actually, I think that's more sinister than just saying, because I don't like it, it shouldn't happen. The idea of uh, erecting some sort of panel that seems to me to be more sinister because they've actually put thought into it. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. thought, yeah, well, who picks the panel? Yeah, then? yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe me. I mean, maybe it could be. You know? Maybe <laughs> me and my friends on my maybe. WhatsApp group, my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we sort of dictate the how the world works. I don't know, just throwing around ideas. I know. The other one is that comedy in inverted commas. They think that's the great insult. So-called comedian. It's like, well, I am a professional comedian, so that doesn't really mean yeah. anything, what you're saying. And it's just funny that, yeah, Leo got that. It's, I get hate emails. I don't really... I'm not really... So... To answer your question directly, I've heard more and more people having these problems in clubs. Nico, our friend Nico Yearwood was saying he's had he had four of these incidents in like a, a couple of weeks or something. So more and more people are complaining to clubs. They're going along, they're shouting out their stupid thing, thinking that it's important. There is more of that. I mean, I get I'm not doing as many gigs lately. I get um, hate emails for going on GB News instead. I mean, I'll get like this. I'll get sort of 
you know, or you'll like um, you'll like Lawrence Fox and uh, Darren. What's that lad? Darren Grimes. They'll say you'll like yeah. them. I always think that's a funny insult because it's like, you know, I'm actually not like them really, which is why it's an insult. Because if I was like them, I go, oh, cheers, mate, brilliant. So it's not an insult. But if I'm not like them, then it's an insult to say I am. So it kind of yeah, undermines no, no, their See, it just shows that you're a more modern contemporary figure to me, whereas me, they say you're, you're like Jim Davidson and Bernard Manning, because they know. <laughs> but what they're trying to do is, what, what can we associate you with that will be damaging to you? Um, the, the other thing they do, you know, with the inverted commas comedian, is a lot of them make the mistake of putting it in speech marks. And you go, well, the first one at least implies that I'm not a comedian. The second one implies that you're quoting somebody else, <laughs> says, I am a having called me a comedian, which actually <laughs> fucking corroborates the idea that I'm a comedian, you absolute cunt. That's funny. Yeah, uh, they always... That's so stinging that. It's like, well, look, mate, I've done thousands of gigs. I've been paid for them. I've been on TV doing comedy. This is not the great diss you think it is. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, if I'm at Customs in America and say, what do you do? I, sadly, I'd love to say I'm not a comedian, but I am a comedian. You cannot lie at American Customs. Right. They know. Have you, have you ever? Oh, my God, it's the most terrifying experience in the world, isn't it? Like, you think, when, when I'm standing there, American Customs and Immigration, I don't just think, like, I think, am I, have I... Am I like an international drug trafficker yeah. and I've just forgotten and they're going to yeah. work it out? And what are you in doing in our country? Yeah, is, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> why are what, you, why are you what is it? Yeah. Is it because, like, we secretly all do think it's the best country in the world? So there's a psychological level of tension that they're trained to know that we feel, right? Like, you, you, you know, I like to live in America. We've got that shit playing in our head. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we're, you come to me and the way it's like, oh, thanks for coming. We're like, oh, I'm amazed you want to come here when it's raining. But then it's like... Why do you want to come in the United States? Yeah, yeah, because they know that everyone's trying to get in. They just stare into into your soul, and then they go like, and then you start thinking like, I'm, I'm about I'm about to admit a weird dream that I had last night. Mm-hmm. If this goes on much longer, you know, just blow it all out. I, mean, I shouldn't be having dreams. We're, we're we're related, you know. Sorry, <laughs> please still let me in your country. I know, I know. I haven't been well. I haven't been for ages anywhere. I mean, I'm I'm probably never going to travel again. But that's a whole other topic. We don't want to get into that because then we'll get into vaccine passports and stuff. Well, briefly, I did. I did want to get into it a little bit with uh, the Rona. Is that we've got uh, the Conservative government? They brought back in, you know, in the face of the Omicron variant, which doesn't seem like we know a massive amount about. We think it might be more transmissible. We don't know if it's a worse illness, but the government, who remember the government, who said that the roadmap was irreversible. So it turns back we're going back to um, face masks from Tuesday, which whether or not. You think it's a good idea. It is fundamentally, they said it was irreversible, so they're reversing it. So there's that. And from Tuesday, it's going to be in what in shops and on public transport. And I, it brings out this thing that I've never understood, Nick, throughout all this. Is I get people who think that masks help. What I don't get is people that are just simply pro-mask as a rule. Mm-hmm. They just like masks. Yeah. Where does that come from in, in someone's personality? Well, firstly, to address Omicron, I, I said Omicron sounds like the name of a transformer who can instantly transform into a police state, which I thought was like a reasonable joke. That's but, good. Uh, well, a lot, you know, so people were trying to, what does it sound like? But you've added a second layer to the joke there, yes, which I like. thank you, Jeff. I, try, I do try. So cool comedian. Um, but... Um, Omicron, I also think it sounds like if there was a James Cameron film, it's like the lazy name for the evil corporation. Omicron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the other question about masks, well, I've been very outspoken on masks and I've lost friends over masks. So, yeah, I'm very <laughs> anti-mask. I can't help it, really. But I'm just very anti-mask. And do you know what? You can't help what things perforate your conscience. And for some reason, masks are one for me that I'll sort of, I'm prepared to like go to prison over <laughs> for some yeah, reason. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's the nature of conscience. You're like, this is so important. People are like, why is this so important to you? Don't know. Just is. It's a really big one for me. So I'm very anti-mask. And I've had massive arguments. People have said you 
you don't care about other people. One, one ex-friend said, um, you deserve months of suffering, which I thought was interesting. Months? Yeah, Well, at months. least it wasn't years. I mean, That's nice, know, isn't they, it? Yeah. It could, that could be as little as five. They meant that I deserve to get covered, uh, is what, I think is what it was. So it, 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 the mask slips, I mean, to, you know, since we're talking about masks, the mask nice. slips very quickly of... Care, we care about other people, so you sh- everyone should wear a mask because we care about people. Oh, well, I don't really think we should wear them. Die. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, where did, where did yeah. the caring about people go? That was quick. No, it's good that we're back to if you don't do this, you want people to die. I, or you want, I'd, I'd like it because we had a don't, don't kill grandma thing. It'd be nice if granddad got a little mm-hmm. go this time around. Don't kill exactly. granddad. What about men, guys? But then again, they probably do want to kill granddad because statistically, granddad is an old straight white guy. Patriarchy. So, yeah. They probably think that COVID is like this sort of like woke influenza that's come around to, to cleanse us of gammon. There's one thing I want to circle back to because I think it's a very interesting thing that you've said there. And just Thank before you. we go, is about like you know that your passion about masks is faintly absurd. Like like not to- but like you you can't defend it because I was thinking this the other day. I was thinking if they bought in like vaccine passports for jobs, I'd march right. I'd march for anything ever, and I would march. Right. And then I sort of thought, yeah, and I felt really passionate about it, and I, and I will do that. But also I thought, well, some people might legitimately say, there's loads of stuff you could have marched for, Jeff. Mm. Like, like, why this? And, and I think that that is a fascinating thing about politics to me, and I think it's a very intelligent thing, is for you to know, you clearly know that it's just a hunch, it's something deeper within you, that you don't understand why you're passionate, but the fact is you are. And yeah. it's what we're all doing. We're all getting behind our hunches. Well, I think it's an incredibly serious thing to just say, hey, you're all going to cover your face now. You know the bits you breathe from. One, we don't know the medical implications of that. We don't know the implications for children and childhood development. We don't know what it does to society to say, I can't see you smile anymore or see your expression. There's a whole, and, and they don't work. There's a whole host of it. Then people say they work a bit. I, I'm sceptical. But, you know, someone said to me, I said, what about the human smile? smile? Is that banned now? And then he goes, well, we'll just put our thumbs up instead. It's like, oh, really? You've ended smiling. That, that's gone, is it? That's definitely as good. So it's back to definitely this thing of thinking good. we can just change, radically change nature. Well, there's a reason we don't wear masks. It's obviously, there's, and we don't, you know, there's the environmental damage. There's loads of reasons you can cite. But yeah, ultimately for me, yeah, why you get more passionate about some issues does seem to be a gut thing. That does seem to be the nature of conscience. And God in his infinite wisdom seems to have made it so that some people are equally passionate about wearing masks. So for some reason, that's how it is. There always has to be a few of us who are outliers. I think the outliers fulfill a role in society, but we're obviously hated because that's the nature of being an outlier, right? There's always a few people, it's usually me and Peter Hitchens, who who have a different view on any topic Mm. and and are hated, but we need those people in certain circumstances because they might be right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would hate, I would fucking hate, you know, like in the way, same way that the, um, the ad, you know, in Freedom Day happened, it was debated. That's that's what's supposed to happen. But because sadly with COVID, one side is more, just the same with all the left-right divides, one side is more inextricably associated, or certainly they do, with virtue. So you're not always having a debate, you're sort of having a pissing contest as to who's the best human. Yeah, and the problem I always have with that is, once you have the correct opinion, inverted commas, you can basically behave any way you like, which goes back to the mental health stuff. It's like, I'm the good person, therefore I can do any number of bad actions in service yeah. of my good beliefs. You know, I've had people attack me. I had someone, like, take an old photo of me off my private Facebook. It wasn't a bad photo, it was just like, to use against me on Twitter because I was, like, looking skinny in the photos. It was, like, saying I was weak. It, in the context, it made sense. But it's like, so you went to my private Facebook to put a photo to try and humiliate me on Twitter... And we were arguing about, it was about vaccines or masks or something. 
because you were a good person you did that. So it's like, I'm supposed to believe you're a good person just because of your views, despite all your actual actions. Your actions, yeah. yeah that's yeah, the big yeah. thing I have a huge problem with. I don't believe in this means to an end thing. I believe, like, no, demonstrate with your actions you're a good person. Then it doesn't really matter what you say. Well... Nick, I think, mate, it's clear that you are... I mean, doing all this, this media work, mate, you're, you're, you're good, man. You're good. Well... It's really... Thank you. I'm doing, I'm doing my... So GB has been a lifeline to me. You know, they've been nice to me. Andrew's been great. Um, yeah, I did, I've got this headliner show. I was on it four times last week. So the great thing is, because it's new and lots of people don't want to do it, I'm like, cool, I'll do all the spots then. So it's just a, it's just a glitch in the matrix that I end up presenting. I mean, especially even hosting Mark's show. I'm, you know, it's the first time I've hosted... Throwing it, at, never used an auto cue before or, or an earpiece. I'm like, yeah, can you host a national TV show? That's a glitch in the matrix that I get to do that. So I'm just appreciating it. And you know, all these people that climbed in on you, you know, at that time, what they've done is they fucking radicalised you, mate, <laughs> haven't they? It's their fault. You would never have done GB News otherwise. You've drilled down into this and you've found your 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 natural home among us assholes. <laughs> Listen, uh, Nick, thank you so much for, for coming on What Most People Think. Uh, what should we direct people towards? Obviously, there's all your social media stuff that people should get and find you yeah. and gigs and stuff like that. You're on GB News. Anything else? Yeah, the best thing is probably at Nick Dixon Comic, Nick D-A-X-O-N Comic, on Twitter if you want to hear all my mask-related views or you can go on my Instagram if you just want to see my gym photos. But uh, yeah, Nick Dixon Comic. And I, we're doing headliners every Monday to Thursday, 11 p.m. on GB News. And mm. I'm on it once or twice a week. You don't quite know when I'm going to be on because it's a rotating panel. Yeah. And I do Andrew Doyle's show, Free Speech Nation. But probably, those are probably the main things. And I write some spiked yeah. articles if, you, if you're into that. You know, I've seen a few bits of headlines and it, and it looks excellent and it's getting better all the time. So people do check that out. And uh, Nick Dixon, thank you very much for coming on What Most People Think. Thanks, mate. Okay, so that was the brilliant Nick Dixon. So do keep an eye out. Well, go follow him on all his social media stuff and do keep an eye out for him on uh, GB News and in particular on uh, Headliners, which is hosted by another friend of the show, Simon Evans. I just got one letter for this week. It's one of those dilemma ones, which I always think, these guys that think of these are sort of weird, twisted geniuses, okay? By the way, if you have a letter or anything you want to pick up in this show, uh, email whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. Letters, I mean, they can be political, but I quite like fun stuff uh, like this. Uh, Dear Jeff, let's not piss about. We need to get straight to this one. Would you rather, this is from Paul in York, would you rather shit yourself every month in public or every day in private? Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's a good dilemma that isn't it shit yourself every month every month in public or every day in private so the easy one would be to go every day in private but how private I mean if you're in your house family members are going to know my son's at a delicate age you know my son's at a delicate age he just smells that smell again and just like you know he sees the old man just running downstairs suddenly the washing machine's on again you know and and the wife's not happy. Yeah, I mean, that is what's more stressful. I mean, what is it with these people that come up with these dilemmas? Would you rather shit yourself every month in public? I mean, would you know when it was going to happen, which day at least? At least it would be a bit like waiting for a delivery guy. You know, you, you might shit yourself between the hours of 7 and 11 a.m. <laughs> or every day in private. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to take private as being on my own. But then how would I know when... It, I mean, sh- this is just disgusting, Paul. I'll tell you what, Paul. You're, you're a sick man. You're a sick man. But if... Oh, my God. This is no... There's no good answer to this. I, 
I suppose I'd have to go for in public because then I would have at least an average of 28 to 29 days where I wasn't shitting myself. Every day in private, I think that that would grind you down. So yeah, I'm going to shit myself in public once every day. And let's hope people are there with their mobile phones to film it. Okay, so just one new review on the iTunes, on the old iTunes. Uh, and it says, uh, the cl- person is claiming to be Jamaican <laughs> and is daring me to do the accent. Well, do you, what, you think I'm going to get cancelled on my own podcast? Uh, he says, here is a well-deserved five star. No, no, I'm not doing it. For being the voice of reason online amidst the concert of virtue signalling. Keep it up, blood clot. I mean, if you are... I don't, sorry, I do not believe that I think you're a mischief maker uh, is what you are, all right? And you're trying to get me in trouble, but I'm not taking the bait. Uh, listen, thank you very much for listening to what most people think. We'll be back uh, next week with either another brilliant guest or me wanging on. But thank you for all the support that you give. And if there's somebody that you know that might like it, uh, fucking tell them about it. Have a good week, bye. Bye.